I recently read a book that quoted Miles Kington saying, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. This quote made me laugh and it still does, but really how true is that? We can learn a lot of things, but that doesn't make us wise. And that's why I think it's so important that we open our ears and our eyes and our minds to different experiences through books so that wisdom can be gained. In today's podcast, we're going to go a little bit off course and talk more about personal growth through setting goals and reading. Hey, teacher friend, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast, a podcast for teachers by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson, and each week I bring you a podcast full of practical and helpful ideas from teachers. We all know that teaching is really hard work, and I want this podcast to be a place for you to not only find ideas, but to also find encouragement and motivation. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 80. I am really excited to talk to you about today's topic, which is books. Um, A little bit more behind the scenes than what I normally do, but that's because I think as educators, it's super important that we make sure that we are including fun and joy and hobbies and all those things that bring us life into our daily lives. But first, before we get started, I'd like to ask you to help me and simply teach out. Last week, I asked you to subscribe to the podcast, and this week, I'd love for you to leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to the podcast. That's going to help Simply Teach move up in the podcast list, which means more teachers can find the podcast and be supported through listening to it. The first few episodes of season seven are all on focusing around work and life balance. If you listened to last week's episode, you heard me share that balance doesn't really exist, but there are things that we can do to manage our time better. I've got a free resource for you with 10 time management and productivity tips over on my website. You can just head to the simplyorganizedteacher.com forward slash time to download all the tips and start managing your time a little bit better so that you can have more time for some of these fun life things that we're going to talk about today. All right, let's dive in to a recap of some of my favorite books of 2020. I'm a goal setter. I've always been a goal setter. But in the past, my goals were pretty basic. Like, I'm going to try and lose 10 pounds this year. You know, those kinds of things. I made goals at school, but they weren't really goals. They were more just like the things that I knew I had to do to get meet expectations on my end of year review. I'm going to talk a lot more next week about goals and about power sheets, which is the tool I use to track and measure my goals. I really think goal setting is so important and I think reading is so important. And that's why today I want to talk about this goal I have of reading Each year, I try to set a goal for myself of how many books I want to read. I started out 2020 with the goal of 24, and I hit that pretty quick. So then I decided, oh, I'll bump it up to 36. I hit that. (laughs) And then now I'm like, the Enneagram one in me is like, okay, let's move it up to 50 instead of just being proud of myself for reaching a goal. But that's neither here nor there. For this week, though, I want to share some of my favorite books that I've read in 2020 and in all the time that, you know, all the books that I've read recently in the past few years, share with you why I loved them and hopefully give you some ideas of books that you can add to your to reads list. So let's start out with the top five fiction books I read of 2020. 
So first up, hands down, best book I've read this year, The Great Alone, written by Kristen Hanna. It's the story of a family who moved out to Alaska after the dad returned from the Vietnam War. It's one of those stories that you just completely escape into. I read it in probably three days because I just could not put it down. It's got love. It's got tragedy, survival. Like I said, it's probably so far my top read of 2020. Next up is The Martian, which is kind of a funny book to have on my list because I'm not a science fiction person or really even a space person. Well, until now, now I'm a space person, but you've likely heard this name or this story because it was made into a movie. I think Matt Damon was the actor, but essentially this crew of astronauts, they go to Mars and suddenly they have to evacuate because of a storm. And the main character is presumed dead and left there, except he isn't dead. Um, I'm not ruining anything. This happens in the first couple pages, but it's his story of trying to survive on the red planet while he waits for his astronaut buddies to come back and save him. It was such a page turner. I'm obsessed with space because of this book now. I like am constantly looking at the stars and asking questions and watching space movies simply because of this book. The next two books in my top five fiction of 2020 are, you know, those like super light and fluffy books. First up is Evie Drake Starts Over. You know how sometimes you just need that book that doesn't really cause you to think it's more just comfortable and relaxing? That was this book for me. Um, I read it at the beginning of quarantine when I was just trying to find an escape from all the crazy happening in the world. This is your typical, oh, I'm not going to fall in love book where the main characters do, in fact, fall in love. It's light. It's easy. It's breezy. Same as the next book, Beach Read. You've probably seen this on a lot of the top book, like top 2020 books to read for this year. It's also light, easy, breezy. It's two authors. They escape to the lake to write and they end up you guessed it, falling in love. Really, I don't have anything like super informative to say about this book or Evie Drake Starts Over. I rated this one a four out of five because it it really was a good book. It's like light and easy, like I said, and let's all be honest, we all need a little bit of an escape right now in the world. And both of these books were really good for that. Last up for my top fiction book of 2020 is Lilac Girls. I just finished this book a couple weeks ago. I guess it's technically probably more literary nonfiction, but it was so good. It's the story of three different girls, three different perspectives from World War II. One is a New York socialite working to aid the French people and help out French orphanages. The second is a Polish girl who is sent off to a concentration camp after she was found working for the underground. And then the third girl is a German doctor who is working at a concentration camp. And all three of their their paths intertwine and collide. And it actually taught me a lot of stuff that I didn't already know about World War II. So I I found it really eye-opening and enlightening. So those were my top five books that were fiction. Now I'm going to talk about my top five nonfiction books of 2020. All these links will be over on my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com forward slash books. Okay, so nonfiction. First up is, I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. And I need everybody to go onto Amazon and buy this book right now or wherever you get your books. Y'all have heard me talk about Pantsuit Politics on my email and social media. This book was written a couple years ago by the two hosts of that podcast, and they talk about how to have political conversations with those you disagree with. So like I said, Everybody needs this book right now. Uh, They started out with a bipartisan podcast, having nuanced conversation around politics. And when they wrote this book, uh, one of them was a Democrat and one was a Republican. 
Since then, the Republican has changed her party affiliation to Democrats, so I feel like that might turn some people off from wanting to read it. But I really want to stress that when this book was written, there was one person from each side of the aisle. So you were hearing both perspectives when reading the book. It was so good. I think if every American could read this book, can you just imagine the grace that could fill our world? Next up for nonfiction of 2020 was Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. This was like a behind-the-scenes kind of uh, book. I love behind-the-scenes type books. It was a memoir about a therapist who ends up going to therapy because of her life circumstances. She's also telling the stories of some of her clients. It really was a super great read, a super interesting look into human psychology. Next up is Stand All the Way Up by Sophie Hudson. She's probably one of my favorite authors. It's her most recent book all about facing the hard stuff. She wrote it shortly after the 2016 election in response to all of the frustration she was feeling towards the church as a whole in America and America in general. I found it really helpful and encouraging and hope-filled. She knows how to mix funny. She's so funny. Uh, With beautiful storytelling, heartfelt action, it was so good. Next up is I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. This book written by Austin Channing Brown, it's a black woman's memoir about growing up and working in white America. Her story was really eye-opening to me, and it challenged me to think about all the trials that black Americans, particularly black female Americans, are up against each and every day. And y'all, in the first story, she or the first chapter, she shares her story behind her name, why it's Austin. It moved me all. You have to go read it to hear this to hear that story. Okay, and then lastly for 2020 is Becoming. I'm sure everybody knows about this book and has probably already read it. I was late to the party mainly because I was waiting on it to be available from the library. Again, I'm a huge behind-the-scenes person, and my dream would be to live in the White House so I could see how everything works there. I don't want the job. I just want to see how it works. It's so fascinating to me. And hearing the Obamas, like hearing about their day-to-day normal family life, it was so fascinating. Hey there, I want to interrupt real quick to tell you about one of my most favorite products that I use every single day, which is my Cultivate What Matters Power Sheets Planners. You've probably heard me mention it before because I've talked about it a lot on the podcast. I've written a whole blog about it. I've got videos about it. Essentially, Power Sheets are a goal planning journal, but they do way more than help you make goals. They cause you to assess and evaluate your priorities. At the beginning of your Power Sheets Planner, you've got some pages on self-reflection. Things like, what are your big dreams for when you're 80? What are your ideas for the upcoming year? You identify these like boxes or negative spaces that you live in and ways to break out of them. You take time to really think through who you are and what you want to be about. And at the beginning of each quarter, you get the opportunity to rate different areas of your life, like your health, your friends, your spouse, finances, spiritual and personal growth, work, recreation, family. You make goals based on all of these things that you uprooted about yourself at the beginning of the year, or honestly, I'm going to be doing it at the end of 2020 for 2021. This is how I am growing the Simply Organized Teacher. It's how I started the podcast. It's how I started my course. I've written down my huge God dreams and then broken them into these bite-sized pieces that I can tackle each quarter, each month, each week, and each day. Like I said, I've got blog posts and videos over on my website all about power sheets so you can see them and decide if they are for you. Just head to the simplyorganizedteacher.com forward slash power sheets, or you can also head over to my Instagram, the simply organized teacher, and I've got a highlight saved up there all about power sheets, showing you a little bit of behind the scenes, how I use them. All the information you need about power sheets can be found at the simplyorganizedteacher.com forward slash power sheets.
So I just shared with you all of my favorite books that I've read this year. Now I want to share some of my top books that I've read of all time. These have made my top list because they make me think. In a couple of weeks, I'm dropping a mini series on racism in education. And when I was looking through my Goodreads list for this episode, the one the books that I looked at and I felt that immediate yes in my gut to add to this list were books that I loved because they caused me to stop and think. They challenged me. They continue to challenge me. A lot of these books I still think about, about my life, about other people's circumstances and how little I know about them. So these are like some of my top books of all time. First up, Home is Where My People Are. This is another book written by Sophie Hudson I talked about just a second ago. This was my first time reading a Christian memoir type book. I read it shortly after college and a breakup that like super messed with me. And it provided me such comfort to know that God still loved me despite my distance from him during my college years. It was really good. Next three books are by Jodi Picoult. She's probably my favorite author. Leaving Time, this is hands down favorite book I've ever read besides Harry Potter. It's about a girl whose mother mysteriously dies while she's working at an elephant sanctuary. I learned so much about elephants and the book, as with all of her books, had an unexpected twist and it just like, I kept turning the pages. I read it twice. It was so good. Small Great Things, also by Jodi Picoult. Y'all, she tackles some really hard topics in her book, and this one is no exception. It's about a black nurse who is doing a routine checkup on a white baby who was just born. The baby's parents are white supremacists. They don't want the black nurse touching their baby, but then while she's alone with the baby, it goes into, like, I think some kind of cardiac arrest, and she's having to decide, like, am I going to help this baby or am I going to let it die Um, and follow the rules? It was deep. It was really good. A Spark of Light is the last book I'm sharing from hers. This is a book I read when we first moved abroad, and I have some distinct memories of being in a hotel room in this tiny town in the far, far side of Czech Republic, probably three days after we moved to Germany because Cody had a work trip. And one of the other guys on the trip told Cody, Kelly has to come on this trip. You just moved her away from everything she knows in the world. You cannot leave her in a foreign country by herself three days after you moved. So I got to visit the Czech Republic. I spent all day in our hotel room oscillating between working and reading this book. And I was texting literally everybody I knew about it. It was so good. It was so eye-opening. It takes place at a Planned Parenthood type place. The story starts out with a shooting, at a mass shooting at this women's care center. And then the story works backwards from there, hour by hour, detailing the events that led to each of the different characters who were in there that day when the shooting happened, how they ended up there. And a plot twist is that the police hostage negotiator who is like trying to negotiate with the, with the gunman finds out that his daughter is inside the clinic. The thing that got me, like where I said, I have to read this book is when I heard that pro-life advocates finished the book saying, this is such a pro-choice book. And the pro-choice advocates finished it saying, this is such a pro-life book. When an author can do that, dang, that is, that's, that's fascinating. Okay, I think four or five more books to go for top books of all time. Just Mercy, you've probably heard all about this book with all of the recent resources being shared on all the racial injustices I cannot stress this book enough. It's so good. It's a memoir about Brian Stevenson's time as a lawyer fighting for people wrongfully sentenced on death row. It is moving. I cried. Cody was angry while reading it. I was angry. It is a book every American needs to read to understand how our system, our jail system, that's not the right word I'm looking for, but how that system is is making some really big mistakes. 
We Were the Lucky Ones by Georgia Hunter. This is uh, another World War II memoir about a family that was separated because of the war. It's a beautiful story of resilience and determination, how important the family bond is. The next book I want to share is No One Ever Asked. This book by Katie Ganshart was probably my first experience at understanding how the lives of Black Americans are drastically different than those of white Americans. I know that there are a lot of white people maybe listening to this podcast, but definitely in our, in our country that are struggling with this Black Lives Matter movement. They think that maybe racism isn't a real thing or that it's being blown up into this huge ordeal. And I'm sharing that because I, I want to say that I've been there. Like I've been in that place where I don't believe Black people. And uh, this book was one of the very first things that opened my eyes to how different things are between white and black Americans. It's a fiction story, but it's loosely based on some real life events. It's about three women. Two of them are white. One is black. I think one of the white women, I read it such a long time ago. I can't really remember, but one of the white women um, adopted a black baby or a black child. Anyways, all these women become quickly very aware of the disparities between the two sides of the track, the two races. It also like the whole thing takes place in a school setting and because of school zoning issues and school like accredita accreditation. So I think as a teacher, it's also just a good book to read because it's like in our, we can relate to it. We can, can we can have a text to self connection with it. All right, three more books and then I'm done. <laughs> Again, all these are on my website. The Year of Living Danishly. Helen Russell, she's a British author who moved to Denmark because of her husband's job. And Denmark, which is one of my favorite countries that I've traveled to, and the reason I did a whole podcast on how to have Hugo in your classroom. Denmark is it's one of the happiest countries in the world. And in her book, she's chronicling her year of living in Denmark each month, like talking about what she learned, good and bad, about the Danish and the Danish way of life. Next up is The Road Back to You. I can't do a book list without mentioning the Enneagram, almost like I can't do a podcast without mentioning the Enneagram. You've likely heard me talk about the Enneagram, which is a personality typing framework that helps people not only understand their behaviors, but also the deep down reasons why you do, you think, why you do the things you do. This book is written by Ian Morgan Crone, I believe, and then Stu Susan Stabile. It gives an overview of each of the numbers and like kind of how they they work and what their characteristics are. I know a lot of people have aversions to these kinds of things because they don't want to be put in a box, but what's really cool about the Enneagram is, for example, I identify as a number one and it's kind of scary when you start reading the book and reading the different numbers and you come across the one that like where you read the characteristics and you think, wait, who is reading my diary? Who is, who is in my brain right now? How do they know this much about me? So there's nine different types. And I think sometimes people think they have to be in like one of these nine boxes, but there's so much, I don't really like this word, but like fluidity between them. That Enneagram in my experience has been so accurate. In fact, this week I've been listening to Annie F. Downs. She's doing a, it's called the Ennea Summer series on the Enneagram. And today I was listening to the episode on the number four. And the whole time I was listening to it, I was thinking about my sister because she said that that's a number that represents her the best, but as they kept talking, as it kept going, I was, I started having some like, really like, wait, am I a four? Did I somehow mistype myself? I thought I was a one. Why is everything that they're saying about this type four personality? Why is it all so true? Have I gotten this all wrong? So I immediately read, ran to my book, wrote back to you. 
And I looked it up. Sure enough, number ones, when they're in a place of unhealth, they go to number four and take on the bad, bad isn't the right word, the negative characteristics of the number four when they're in health. And these past few months, I have not been in a great space mentally or emotionally. And it's almost like liberating to know that I'm not alone in the way that I think or I feel and know that I'm not crazy. At least that's how it works for me. So Enneagram, I'm a huge fan of. And if it's something that you don't know a lot about and you want to know about, you can read the road back to you. It's so good that I think I bought probably 30 copies of it to give out to all of our family. I gave it to a lot of my teacher friends at the end of the year. So good. All right. And then lastly, I'm going to wrap up this whole episode with a book by the same author I kicked off the episode with, Kristen Hanna, The Nightingale. This was the first book I read that took place in World War II. It tells a story of two sisters that are separated because of the war and each of them going on their own path trying to survive in Germany during the war. It really was, it was also like the first history book that I read where I thought, huh, okay, I actually am interested in history. So there you have it. A few of my favorite books from 2020 and prior. All of the links to these books, like I said, they're going to be over on my website, the simplyorganizedteacher.com forward slash books. I hope this was fun for you and gave you some books to add to your to read pile. You can find me on Goodreads. I am there a lot. I don't really interact. I just basically add books to my list and check them off. But if you want to connect there to see some of the other books I read and loved recently, if you find yourself liking a lot of the books that I share today. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. You can also head over to the simplyorganizedteacher.com forward slash time if you want to get those productivity tips to help you manage your time a little bit better so that you can spend more time doing the things you love. I'll see you back here next week with a whole conversation on power sheets. Super excited about that. Until then, y'all have a great week and stay healthy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Simply Teach. If you enjoyed it, I'd be so grateful to have you share it over on social media and tag me at the Simply Organized Teacher, or you can head to wherever you are listening to this podcast right now and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. This episode was edited by the team over at Podcastology. Remember all the show notes, links to things we talked about, classroom organization resources, and all of the courses can be found over on my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. Make sure to join my email list and get weekly organization tips straight to your inbox by heading to thesimplyorganizedteacher.com slash email. Y'all have a great week.